7.04 on a Tuesday. It's a big band Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Listen to that brass go. Brass is a metal. I'm loving it. It's like we planned it. You, you timed that out really well, Mike. You know what else is a metal? Anything that they will accept at North Star Metal Recycling. true what else do they accept metals metal i'm not i'm we have to do a live read at the end of this hour so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it a surprise a secret if you will about what else they accept at north star metal heavy metal yes heavy metal Mm -hmm. Uh, um by the way thanks to the listeners that texted in and said something is rotten in the state of denmark is from hamlet I'm actually shocked that we have listeners that that knew that. I was shocked that we had a producer that knew it was Shakespeare. I have to admit, I used to act Shakespeare back in the day. In my did acting you? Days. I, I I could not. Bart on the I, beach, baby. Really? Yeah, I did. No, really. I'm serious. You were an actor. T- I was an actor back in the day. I did not know. What this. what what roles did you play? Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. Bottom. He was the, he cream. was the butler, right? Right. <laughs> Tybalt. Come on, man. Look, look who I'm working with right now. <laughs> Listeners, help me out here. I honestly, I'm, I'm by I, myself on an island. I, I, I remember reading uh, Shakespeare in high school. It's and, not for everyone. And, of course, this was pre-internet, mm-hmm. so like I needed the Coles Notes books. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't – this is not English. I do not See, understand what is going on the, here. I had to read it like mm-hmm. 10 times in order to get the gist of it. I know. It's hard. The trick with Shakespeare is to get someone to talk – talk to you in Shakespearean as if they're speaking normal English. Can you do that? Well, not on the spot. But I'm just oh. saying, somebody better than me, if they were to speak good Shakespeare to you, but they would just speak like I'm speaking to you right now, then right. your brain would be like, okay, I kind of get the gist of what they're saying. I may not know every single word, but I understand the point they're coming across. Is with. it because that way you're not reading it in verse? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, all the best Shakespearean performances I've ever seen in my life have been it feels like I'm just hearing somebody speak normally. Right. So that, And that's kind of the trick to it with most people. Yeah. I still don't understand it, though, because yeah, there's a lot of words that I don't use in my... No, for sure. It's it's, right? it's not for everyone. Yeah. I really want you to do the voice now. Do, I, 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 no. do the Hamlets. You can't tease us like... No. Yeah. No. Come on. But my, in but, but long... in but in Klimovich's accent. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to the French-Canadian League? Again. <laughs> He's Belarusian. <laughs> Not even remotely close to being French. <laughs> Something rotten in the state of Denmark. We need to ban accents on this show. Yeah. We do. None of us can do We that. do. I know. It's poor, just to put it mildly. Okay, what do we We wanted to dive back into the Canucks stuff this segment. Is I that thought correct? that's what you were setting up while Andy and I were, were... What were you doing here? How could I set up anything? <laughs> I was in a, Hamlet. <laughs> I, was, I was like, how do I pivot off this? And then I was like, because I know he's going to do the Klimovich impression at the end of this. No, uh, Vancouver Canucks... Opening night roster is set until they change everything up and send some guys up and send some guys down. Klimovich was uh, on the roster as of yesterday. We'll see what happens today. The Canucks practice at 11 o'clock today at UBC. I, I assume we will get more answers to whatever questions we have left because, again, remember, the roster was not announced till about 3 or 3.30 yeah. our time yesterday, so practice was done and dusted. I assume that they will meet with the media. So there's two real big narratives that are going to happen. One, what is your opening night roster going to look like? And two, are you guys ready to go to Edmonton tomorrow night to open your season against the Oilers? So a couple things to watch for at today's practice is uh, which jersey will Brock Besser be wearing? If it's a non-contact jersey, that probably means he's going to play tomorrow in Edmonton. Uh, Will the Canucks be rushing Brock Besser into the lineup? Probably. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And the other question will be, is Quinn Hughes practicing today? Uh, he's been under the weather the past few days. The Canucks have told him to, I don't know, go to the drugstore and get some cough syrup and get and get better because we're going to need you, buddy. Right. Uh, so we'll see if Quinn Hughes is ready to practice, even if he's not at practice. And I wonder if the Canucks might be like, hey, take a few extra days because we don't want you giving everyone the flu or whatever you've got. Uh, Boudreaux was uh, sure to say that it's not COVID, right. but still, you don't want something going through the room this early in the season. Even if he's not at practice today, I would still expect him to play uh, Wednesday in Edmonton. That's just a couple things that you can keep an eye on. Um, we talked that uh, we talked to, in the last segment about this segment and the fact that we're going to go through some of the athletics uh, NHL predictions. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that. Uh, obviously the first question is who will win the Stanley cup and all their writers voted, right? So they've got a lot of NHL writers, the, the, the national writers, the, 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 the beat reporters for the individual teams. So we'll kind of mention the teams in all these categories that, um, got a over 10% of the vote. So for example, in who will win the Stanley cup, there was actually a tie between Carolina and Colorado, Carolina got 28% of the vote, and so did Colorado. Third place, the only other team to get more than 10%. Any guesses, guys? Any guesses? Only one to get over 10%. So Carolina, Colorado. Would it be who, Wishes pick, the Edmonton Oilers? It was the Edmonton Oilers. And I have to admit I'm a little bit surprised. Well, I'm not surprised because they got Connor McDavid. I don't. I don't think the Oilers have uh, a Stanley Cup caliber blue line. That doesn't mean that it's going to be impossible for them to win. We've seen some teams, um, you know, Pittsburgh, for, for example, when they've got the likes of Sid and Gino, right, that that helps you so much. And the Oilers have, they're not identical, but it's pretty similar when you got McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. You can get away with things. If Jack Campbell can be a good goalie for them, yeah. like don't get me wrong, they got a chance. They made it to the Final Four last season, but they weren't really competitive with Colorado in that series, considering they got swept. It was a sweep, and there's no other way to look at it. Now, uh, Wish was talking about Colorado, and you were talking about Colorado as well, in different terms, but the same idea. Will they be a Stanley Cup contender yet again? The obvious answer is yes, because they're the defending champions. I think the most interesting thing with Colorado – and it's funny, I was just pulling up the article on my phone. One of my favorite authors, Phil Hay, writes for The Athletic. He covers leads, interestingly enough. He said, someone once wrote that full bellies breed gentle manners. The pinch of famine makes monsters. So I'm wondering if you can apply that to Colorado, because Wish kind of alluded to it. It's like, when you win, you have to acknowledge that there is a sense of contentment, right? Now, everyone's hungry and everyone's dying to get back on top of the mountain. You know, I think the Colorado Avalanche is a group are obviously going to be striving to go back-to-back. Nathan McKinnon doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's like, and we're good here. He's never hungry because he's always eating all of that, what is it, like mung bean pasta or whatever it is that he eats. Anyway, uh, for me, honestly, I know Carolina's been a chic pick for a while, but Carolina to me is the team that ticks enough boxes to where I think that this could be the year for them. Yeah, they were my pick last season. Yeah, and I think that what they've done in adding, honestly, adding Pacioretty and Burns – for nothing is a very, very significant thing. 
And I think that the way that they've devised this is Brent Burns still good. I, I think, guess we're going to find out, right? Well, I, here's the thing. I think that he's so unique as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he be, he can become so valuable in the postseason because yeah. of his versatility. Like, you don't have to play him 24, 25 minutes a night anymore. But he's such a weapon on the man advantage. And he just sure. gives you a different look. God, you could play him at forward if you wanted. Mm-hmm. He used to do that. Pacioretty is a built-in trade deadline acquisition. And they framed it as such. They've told anyone that'll listen, hey, the injury is bad. We're obviously not happy about it. We prefer to have Max all the way through the year. But when January, February rolls around, we're going to add a guy that is um, a perennial 30-goal scorer. And they've got that little added bonus that they picked up Paul Stastny for nothing. And Stastny and Patrick have always had a combo. I think that team for me is the most... They're getting a little older now, right? I think that team for me is the most complete team in the NHL. Complete, but do they have that killer instinct led by like who's their leader who's their leader who's the, who's the leader because in Colorado you're kind of like you know that Landeskog is the captain right but you know that McKinnon it's always been the is issue the leader, it's right? always been the issue with Carolina is that they are kind of defined by having a lot of really good players I yeah. think their best player is Sebastian Ajo mm-hmm. but in terms of being the alpha the dog in the room the leader well I'm they not, were hoping it'd sure. be Svechnikov right yeah, but it's hard at the forward position when you're maybe not the best forward. I mean, where else does that happen? Where the answer the for forward? Brent Burrs, by the way, 0.6 points per game last year, about his career average. So he's not quite the player that he used to be when he was running about a point I per game. I bet that uh, him getting out of San Jose would give him a shot in the arm. Like maybe. I He's no also longer. 37 years old, though. Yeah, too. that's fine. Brent it's, Bur- it's not his point production that I'm worried about. It would be his defensive abilities, right? On a, Especially on a team like Carolina that takes a lot of pride in how they play. And they play the system, and like who are the, who are Carolina's goalies this season? I I, I can't even keep up, so I, I got to go with you, Laddie. Well, Did they make some? Is Freddie Anderson there? Is like yeah, what, what's going on? Like because uh, he was hurt for the playoffs, obviously. Chetkov as well, who's yeah. their other goalie, and I, is Ranta still there? I don't, I don't even know what his contract situation is. But, but that's uh, the thing with Carolina, yeah. right? We're they're, just they're, like they're who's always cycling goalies. Yeah. They're always cycling through goalies. Um, the worst team in the NHL. There was only two that got votes, significant votes, uh, from the athletic writers. I shouldn't say the only team that got the votes because the Flyers and the Sharks actually got a few votes. But 64% of athletic writers chose the Arizona Coyotes. 28% chose Chicago. And this isn't just to you know, laugh at those teams. This is a hell of a draft. They're designed, to, they're designed to be bad on purpose. Yeah. I really hope Bedard doesn't go to Arizona. I'll be really disappointed. I hope he, if Bedard doesn't. I, 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 I just, I just, I, I don't want Connor Bedard, um, one of the next great players in the NHL, probably, and also a local product. I don't want him to go to Arizona. I hope because that, I have I, no faith in that organization to figure it out. I hope that uh, they get the first overall pick and they try to draft him, and he won't go there. That to me is the dream scenario. Is that not possible? Yeah, is that not realistic? I think it's this more season than fair. that someone goes. I'm not going there. Look at all the guys that want out. What happens? Okay, walk through this with me. Okay, what happens if uh, sometime in the fall when the Coyotes are expected to get, I guess, certainty on this Tempe Arena? What happens if that gets shut down? Like they don't get it. There's some sort of roadblock. And by the time the draft comes along, there still isn't certainty in Arizona about their next arena, whether they're going to be playing in Arizona, how long they're going to be playing in a college barn. 
There's going to be more players that ask out. Mm -hmm. And Connor Bedard is the type of player that he steps immediately into an NHL lineup. He's not one of these guys that's drafted in the third or fourth round and be like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's probably going to take a couple of years for me to get to the NHL anyway. I'm sure Arizona will have it figured out or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. I mean, look at all the players that want out of Arizona. And have successfully gotten out of Arizona. Jacob Chikrin still hoping to get out of Arizona. I do not want Connor Bedard going there. I think it would just be really sad. Having him make his NHL debut in a 5,000-seat college stadium. It's gross, man. Uh, on that team? Yeah. If you guys had to guess right now, without looking, no looking, no Googling, who's the first-line center for the Arizona Coyotes right now? I'll give you a hint. It's a former Canuck. Is it Cassian? No. <laughs> yeah, he's playing center Just now. Just throw him no, in there. No. Uh, Brad Richardson? No. Uh, it's a former Canuck. How many games did he play Not for a lot. Can Not many games for the Canucks? The answer, ladies and gentlemen, Travis Boyd. Oh, Travis right. Travis Boyd. I, I've heard, it's so funny, like sometimes I read the things out of Arizona and I'm like, it's sad to cover this team because they're like pretty hyped on Travis Boyd. Bonus points if anyone can tell me who their top defensive pairing is currently comprised at the moment. Is it Chickren on one of them? No. Oh, <laughs> is it Gostas Bear? Gostas Bear is one of them. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't care. Who would just tell me? Some Patrick Nemeth. Oh, Patrick We are Nemeth. looking nice. for Patrick Nemeth. The now, I, I assume if Chikrin plays that he would be on the top pairing. He's like in sort of this weird abyss, no man's land. They might Honestly, if you're designed to be this bad, why even play him? If you're going to trade him anyway, just keep him, I don't know, on the treadmill and then pack him in ice when he's not on the treadmill and just wait to try and move them. I, look, this is going to be an embarrassing year. Once the novelty wears off with Mullet Arena and ASU and people thinking it's cool to go watch an NHL game in what basically constitutes an auxiliary gym, uh, it's going to be it's going to be embarrassing and it's going to be really bad. Well, after the sixth blowout at home, is it really going to be that much of a novelty anymore to watch a game with 5,000 people? The question is going to be is when do the players start being like, this isn't fun. Like, I don't like getting changed. In I, th I think it came Friday in uh, Rogers Arena. Right. Like, I don't like. like, this isn't fun. This is embarrassing. Like, I joked last week, like, when you have to share your showers with the, like, intramural broomball team at ASU. I'm not even joking. That's what that whole situation Prove is us wrong, Coyotes. Prove us wrong. Wrong. Don't have to worry about Bedard though, because you know once he gets drafted, he's just going to request a trade to the Canucks, right? Like that's just going to happen. They he's were talking about that do on a, do a uh, and be like, "I want to play for the Canucks. I don't care who drafts." I me. again was listening to Sportsnet 650, the preeminent sports radio show. You sound so surprised. I know. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I actually tuned into the station. I don't. <laughs> it's care. not bad. I don't care for it normally, but I gave it a shot. Um, it was Donnie was on with Sat and Dan, and they. I guess I tuned in about halfway through the evolution of the conversation. They were already talking about if the Canucks were going to be able to sign Connor Bedard in free agency. What? I, was, I was like, what year are we in? What's, <laughs> what did we I just miss? skipped ahead? Yeah. And Donnie was talking about how like previous stars that were from BC and from the Lower Mainland didn't want to sign in Vancouver. I'm like, Connor Bedard's not even in the NHL yet. I feel like we're yeah. light years ahead. Of where we should be. Uh, I already, talk about how he's going to hold out from Arizona and refuse to show up after they draft him. I think I've got a an extra soft spot in my heart for Connor Bedard because his favorite Canuck was Tyler Mott. That's awesome. <laughs> how <laughs> awesome is that? That is amazing. Yeah. He's like, so I like this guy. I'm yeah. like, this, this is like, this is a guy who will, uh, you know, he's being touted as. Uh, you know, the next generation of, you know, Sidney Crosby and, and, and Connor McDavid, like the next great Canadian player is like, 
I like that Mott guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you admire people that can do things that you can't do. So maybe he wants to be more of a defensive. Well, but that's why that, no, I'm, I'm serious. That's why I actually liked him. Yeah. I'm like, so he admires players that work probably hard. don't have as much talent as he did, but work hard, grind, and, you know, like do, do the little things because, like, the the star players need to do that too. We just when they do it, we just take it for granted because it looks so easy for them to do those little things. Uh, the dark horse yeah. to contend for the cup. This is going to be an interesting category for Vancouver Canucks fans. Uh, there were four teams that got over ten percent of the vote. Dallas led the way with thirty three percent. New Jersey at twenty percent. The Canucks. With 18%, and then the Sens, who a lot of people are talking about is going to be this team that takes this big step this season, and who can blame everyone for saying that with some of the moves that they made this offseason, we're at 15%. Uh, I don't want to talk about Dallas because I find them extremely boring to talk about. It's because they are extremely boring to talk about. I think New Jersey is interesting, and obviously that was the the team that Wish, and Wish is a Devils fan, but I don't think he was playing Homer there. Um, I think he was, uh, you know, if you look at this New Jersey team, they've been trying to build something for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, goaltending is going to be a question mark. I know Laddie likes what they've got in the goaltending there. Um, who is it again? Vitek Vanacek. Right, yeah. okay. So, and Blackwood. And, Bla- and Blackwood's still there. Um, but the Canucks getting eighteen percent of the vote, I, th- I thought that was interesting, and and because this is a dark horse to contend for the cup, this isn't just, hey, who was a team that missed the playoffs last year that you think could make the playoffs this year, right? Dark horse to contend for the cup, and we've said it a few times. If you look at this lineup, you've got down the middle, Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller. Bo Horvat. Mm-hmm. That's good. Especially if Elias Pettersson takes a real step this year and JT Miller doesn't take a step back and Bo Horvat stays with the team and he's Bo Horvat. Uh, he's pretty consistent. You've got one of the best goalies in the NHL in Thatcher Demko and a legitimate young number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes. Now, obviously there are question marks. There are question marks about the rest of the blue line. After Quinn Hughes, there are question marks, I think for me, and maybe this doesn't get out league wide, but there are question marks for me about the forward group and whether there's enough two-way ability, just kind of the overall hockey IQ Mm -hmm. of the forward group. But on paper, if you were to look at this team as an outsider and you don't, you know, you're one of these people that watches the Canucks all day, you're like, Wow, look at the look at the three good young players. You got a center, a defenseman, and a goalie. They tick a lot of boxes, without question. And a coach that people like. The issue, of course, is that after Quinn Hughes on the defense, is it just falls off a cliff, right? And that's going to be the big X factor for me. Did you have? A, I never put the Canucks in. I feel like we cover the team too closely to put them in like a, a dark horse category. I feel we know exactly what they are, or more specifically, we have ideas of what they're going to be. Like, I'm not sure how the season's going to go, especially at the early parts, but I know where their strengths lie. I know where their weaknesses are. And if they fall short of their goals, I think I know why that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was going through it, and you probably will disagree with me on this one because I don't think you're as big of a fan as I am anticipating to be. I think a legitimate dark horse, and I'm not joking to maybe even make a run in the playoffs, is Nashville. I look at that team, and you want to talk about ticking boxes. You can say, 
They had, I believe it was three guys that scored 40 goals last year, so you're not worried about what's going on up front. On defense, they've got a Norris-caliber guy in Roman Yossi, and they added Ryan McDonough to make them even better. Ryan McDonough on a free, basically, to steal a soccer terminology. And then they've got UC Saros and Nat, who I would... Is it fair to put UC Saros and Thatcher Demko in the same conversation about yes. value and importance to their team? Yes. Right? So I'm looking at that team, and I'm saying... As far as teams that no one's talking about that might be a lot better than we think, I think it might be Nashville. I like the Canucks down the middle more than Nashville. So do I. Uh, One of the teams that I think, uh, you know, this team made the playoffs last season. So, um, yeah, but I still think they'd be a dark horse. Uh, L.A. Uh, I think L.A.'s on the rise. You'd be very interested um, to see how much of a boost that Kevin Fiala is going to give them, just in terms of being a more dynamic offensive team. Can Quinton Byfield take a step this year? I like their two-way ability down the middle with Kopitar and Deneau. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's this a is just a team one-two punch. This is a team versatile centers. Yeah, this is just a team that can play good, solid hockey. So LA for me is 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 a dark horse contender, and of course I hope I'm wrong about that because that's going to be one of the teams that the Canucks are fighting for a playoff spot. If you look at the specific division. You know, I, don't, I know a lot of people over the last few years have kind of m- made fun of the Pacific Division and said, eh, it's not very good. But now you got the two Alberta teams that are Stanley Cup contenders mm-hmm. in the eyes of most people. Uh, you've got Vegas, which I think will probably bounce back this season, assuming they can stay healthy. And also assuming there isn't anything weird going on in that room, mm-hmm. right? And they get the goaltending. Goaltending is going to be a massive factor there. But I think if you look at the talent there, Man, that's still a good team. You still got a lot of talent there. You got the Kings, as mentioned. And then the rest of the teams like Anaheim might be better this season. Anaheim has so much young talent that you never know with them. Yeah, They seem to have a, a, a habit of starting out well. And maybe John Gibson is a, is a big part of that. And then they kind of, John Gibson's like, I'm tired. I played too much. And they kind of fall off. Uh, San Jose and Seattle, I don't have much hope for, especially San Jose. Maybe Seattle can be a little bit better this year, but it doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of urgency in Seattle to be really good right away. Um, I think that they're going to be more dynamic than last year just because they have Matty Veneers in the lineup. Yep. And that's going to be a far cry from last year where it was kind of uninspired for long stretches. But I think you've, I think you've assessed the division accurately. Like, I think your assessment is pretty bang on. If one of those teams in the lower half does surprise and push for a playoff spot, it's going to be tough because I think that there's four legitimately good teams. And where the Canucks fit is going to come down, honestly, to how much Thatcher Demko can play and how effective he can be. Because I think he's going to be the biggest difference maker as to whether this team makes the playoffs or not this season. Uh, we might get into a few of these other categories at The Athletic. Biggest disappointment, first coach, fired but we've run out of time in this segment and we want to talk to Joe Fan about the Seattle Mariners who kick off their series with the Houston Astros today this afternoon uh obviously an upset of the Blue Jays game 2 was incredible uh from the Mariners perspective a disaster from the Blue Jays perspective uh so we're going to hop on the Mariners bandwagon coming up next with Joe Fan on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 
Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. On a Tuesday, it's a big band Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. North Star! Vancouver's premier scrap metal recycler pays the highest prices. Visit them today. We're going to talk about them on the other side as well, so stay tuned for that. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It is the start of the NHL campaign today. We are excited about everything that's going to happen tonight and then tomorrow when the Canucks open up. But we got to go back and look at that weekend that was in baseball. And then, of course, today, not one, not two, not three, but four divisional series kickoff in Major League Baseball, including the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros. That one goes at 12.30 our time. Joining us now to break it all down, our good buddy uh, from WinBet and Seattle Sports, Joe Fan here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. Morning, Joe. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Anxious uh, anxious hours this morning as you get ready for a, a big Tuesday afternoon. But, uh, man, what a weekend it was, certainly. Joe, where did that comeback rank in your Mariners fandom? I, I saw a few Seattle guys kicking around. Was that the greatest game in Mariners history, the second greatest game, third greatest game? I'll, all I know is it's probably top five. Yeah, it's certainly top five, and and you could go down the list of games in in 1995 that were better. But you know, when I'm six years old, it hits a little bit different than when I'm 33 now. Uh, not to age myself, but um, I would say it was my my greatest moment. And then those two games collectively, watching Julio, not Julio, uh, but Luis Castillo in Game One, basically throw a hundred mile an hour wiffle ball yeah. for eight innings, and then Andres Munoz. Uh, throw a 103-mile-an-hour wiffle ball was a ton of fun. And then being down 8-1 to come back and win, it it was special. I I think for me, it it was absolutely number one for me, Um, you know, just because uh, this is my first time enjoying playoff baseball in my adult life. And, and man, what a way to kick it off. I knew Castillo was good. I didn't realize he was that good. I will acknowledge that I did not watch a ton of Cincinnati Red games prior to this year. But he like that was filthy in the opener. That was really impressive. And with all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes with Manoa talking about, you know, he was very confident going into that game. But Castillo was lights out. And going into this series, I got to ask you, Look, everything's gone great for the Mariners this year. They snapped the two-decade-long playoff drought. They went into Toronto and staged the biggest comeback by a road team in MLB postseason history. Are they kind of playing with house money right now? Because they're not expected to win this series. They're going to finally get a playoff game at home. Could they be the guys that come in here and just play loose and carefree because they've already accomplished so much? They are absolutely playing with house money. That's a fun place to be, and I wrote that for Seattle Sports going into last Friday about, you know, do I think they can win? Certainly. And I think they should expect to win. They've done enough this year. There's enough talent on that team to where they should expect it. And, and they should still feel that way. Um, you know, I don't think any, any sense of complacency should, should, you know, be felt in that clubhouse at all. But, yeah, this is going to be the lowest stakes playoff run they make for the next, you know, you hope, five years with, you know, a pitching staff that's, that's now under contract for several years. Uh, thanks to the Luis Castillo extension a couple of weeks ago, uh, Julio and his mega deal, 
you know, this should be a competitive team. There's going to be plenty of playoff runs where you say, you know, getting to the wild card isn't good enough. Getting to the divisional round is not good enough. Um, they, they, you know, they still at some point got to claim their first pennant to the final franchise in baseball yet to do so. Um, but yeah, as it stands right now, there's such a relief that I think every Mariners fan feels to not have to talk about the playoff drought anymore. Then you beat Toronto. And the one difference is, is that, you know, everyone just hates the Astros so yeah, much yeah. that it feels a little bit less like house money because we all know how sweet that would feel, uh, to knock them off, send them home. They've been the Mariners daddy for uh, several years now. And so it would be nice to flip that script a bit, but you know, even a competitive series just to say, Hey, we're coming, uh, you know, enjoy that, that ALS crown while you've got it. But, but, you know, Seattle's going to have something to say about it moving forward. Put on your Seattle Mariners manager cap here. What do you do with Robbie Ray in this series? Yeah, I think he's a power arm out of the bullpen. I think he's hmm. your Jordan Alvarez stopper. And I say that, knowing that there's no such thing as a Jordan Alvarez stopper. But if you got a, a high leverage situation uh, in the fifth inning on with uh, Jordan or Kyle Tucker, I think he's your power arm. He's a, he's a full effort pitcher and he's your guy. You go try to get a couple of outs with against uh, the two talented lefties in that lineup. But I don't think there's any way you can start him uh, in this series. Then you look and if you're, if you manage to get out and especially if you start, Luis Castillo on three days rest in, uh, in the potential game five. Okay, you start him against New York. And if it goes south, it goes south. That's fine. Seven-game series, you move on to the next one, you're already on the road. And I say New York or Cleveland because Cleveland's on fire. But you, I don't think there's any, any situation, any scenario where you can, can bring him in at the top of the first inning or bottom of the first inning. You know, it's going to be really fascinating to me to see if that again small sample size against the Jays, only two games, but you know, fourteen runs over two games. The bats were going for the M's and the guys that you would expect, maybe even some of the guys you would like. I, I thought Frazier was like very, very clutch in that series and had a lot of timely hits. Of course, they're going to be going up against a staff with Justin Verlander, the ageless wonder who's probably going to win the Cy Young, Framber Valdez, Kristen Javier. That that the set of arms that the Astros can throw at you is pretty overwhelming, but it is playoff baseball. There's something to be said for momentum. How do you think that these Mariners bats are going to continue as this series opens up against the Astros today? Yeah, certainly makes me nervous. They played 19 times this year, 11 of those games. They scored two runs or less. They were shut out, what, four times, I think. So, you know, every uh, – they went 12-7. and seven, All seven games that they won, they scored at least five runs. So the recipe is pretty obvious. You're not going to win close games against this team very often. And winning close games is going to be hard because that means your pitching staff is going to have to give up three runs or less uh, against the Astros, which – is no small feat because you just mentioned the names in the rotation, but the lineup we know for years now has been, has been equally as potent, if not more so. So, yeah, I think it, you know, Justin Verlander, hopefully you can try to find a way to get, get one early uh, or two early. You know, he makes a mistake. He walks a batter, makes a mistake and you jump all over. That's the thing with this Mariners team is, is they don't hit for average, but pretty much top to bottom, save for Adam Frazier and J.P. Crawford, everyone's capable of taking you deep. And so, uh, you know, you saw it against Garrett Cole earlier in the year. They jumped on for six runs and three or four home runs in the first inning. So, you know, I think that's sort of the X factor is, will they be able to find the long ball? Um, but, yeah, without question, this is a, an incredible pitching staff. They rank first in fielding independent pitching since September 1st, um, you know, do the Astros. So, 
yeah, it's tall order. It makes sense why they're minus 250 on the series price at win bet with the Mariners are huge underdogs at plus two one, the biggest or at two to one, uh, the biggest underdogs of the divisional round of any of the four series. I was laughing. Uh, I was looking at the uh, the Mariners schedule and they've got, you know, the the tickets for the Houston games uh, for game one today. Tickets as low as twenty eight dollars uh, for game three Saturday in Seattle. Tickets as low as $296. So a bit of a difference in interest in Houston and Seattle. I'm wondering, I know the Mariners uh, only have one guaranteed home playoff game. Hopefully it's going to be two. I'm wondering if that crowd in Seattle could be a factor in this series. You hope so. I mean, if you watch those games down the stretch, you know, the Braves series, that was an epic comeback. Uh, When Julio hit the game-tying home run, uh, and then uh, Gino wins it uh, two batters later with a walk-off. Place going nuts. If you watch the highlights, which I think everyone has, of Cal Raleigh clinching the playoff spot with his walk-off homer, place is going nuts. Um, yeah, I think everyone, it's, it's a, you know, the difference between weekday afternoon games and, and weekend games. Uh, but also, yeah, you throw in a 20-plus year playoff drought that, you know, that's going to sort of make some more sense as to why these tickets are so expensive. So, yeah, I think um, – you hope the crowd's going to be a factor. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Astros or a team with all their playoff experience are going to be phased by it, but certainly if it adds, adds the fellows a little extra juice, which you, you anticipate it would, um, you know, certainly can push this series to four games, if not five. So it's all about finding one on the road, find a way to split and you're in the driver's seat. Um, one of my favorite playoff sayings is series doesn't start till the road team wins the game. Uh, which works really well until the home team wins every single game. The series never begins. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a fun one. I think they're more than capable of at least uh, being competitive uh, in this one. How badly did Seattle need this as a sports city, considering that you know the, the Seahawks are in a transition mode? Uh, I don't think anyone's celebrating the defense of the Seattle Seahawks right now. The Huskies had a decent start, but they've dropped two disappointing games. Um, the Kraken are still – you know, trying to get going as uh, an NHL franchise. Um, and then all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but maybe somewhat unexpectedly, the Mariners are playing home home games uh, in, in the postseason. Yeah, I don't know how much Seattle needed it. I mean, the Seahawks gave the town so many memories of the last decade that, you know, the Sonics leaving was, was the worst part. The Mariners have been bad for 20 years. That was sort of the annual thing. But with hockey coming, even though they were bad last year, I think there's – you know, anticipation and hope that the Kraken will be competitive this year, maybe flirt with the eighth seed if they can hang around uh, and, and, you know, injuries go their way. Grubauer gets better. Veneers and Shane Ryder, what they expect them to be. So I don't, I don't know if people in Seattle really felt like, oh man, this is, this is dark times for the city because it's been so much darker uh, previously, but I, I think baseball fans needed it. You know, I think after almost making the playoffs last year, going all the way to game 162, you know, the, the, their playoff destiny was in their hands the final three days of the season. They dropped two of three uh, to the Angels. That was tough. So, yeah, I think, again, it goes back to this year they had to make the playoffs. They had to get the monkey off their back. You had to get that burden out of the way. Um, now they've done so, and then you can sort of say, man, I just feel liberated by it. Hopefully the team feels liberated by it, and then whatever happens the rest of the way, like you mentioned, 
it does feel like they're playing with house money. The Seattle Mariners take on the Houston Astros in their American League Divisional Series. It starts today, 1230 is first pitch. Joe, enjoy it, man. It's been a long time. It's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be even more cool when playoff baseball comes back to Seattle. Uh, Enjoy everything today and the rest of this week. We'll do this again soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you too, Joe. That's Joe Fan from WinBet and Seattle Sports here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm looking at the get-in prices. My once lofty, maybe some would say ambitious goals to go down to Seattle to see a game. They're, they're starting to fall by the wayside. Right. Yeah, hit me in the old pocketbook. Well, why don't you get off your wallet? Uh, go watch it on television. Yeah, it's not the same though, man. I, I If they get to the – if they somehow beat the Astros, I, I really want to go down. No, and, I yeah, and, and see a game. Um, playoff baseball is so much fun. I've only been to mm, one playoff baseball game, but it's 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 so different. Mm-hmm. There's no sport where it's where uh, regular season and the postseason is so different yeah. than baseball. Regular season baseball, for me at least, <laughs> you go, you get a beer, you get a you get a hot dog. You're like. Ah, you know, like, should we go and just go hang out somewhere in the stadium? If there's a bar there, you're talking with your friends and they're like, oh, what inning is it? Like, who cares? Yeah, you're just there to have Um, a good time. But then postseason baseball, you're in it from the first pitch. Right. Anytime there's two strikes on an opposing hitter, you know, everyone gets up and and they're cheering. It's it's so much fun. And I think if if you've been a hardcore Mariners fan, for your whole life for at least the last two decades. First of all, congratulations on that, mm-hmm. uh, on hanging in there. You know, if you can make it happen, go try and go, right? You know, I know it's expensive. I know not everyone can do it. But if you can, you should go and try and experience uh, playoff baseball because it's just it's just a lot of fun. And I think, I think the money at the end of the day, you, yeah, you spent some money, mm-hmm. but it'll be worth it. Uh, when you look back on it. Okay. Uh, so, Oh, sorry. Did you want to go somewhere? I was just going to recap the series that are starting today and everything, but we can, we can do whatever you want to do, my friend. Uh, I want to get into, uh, the rest of this athletic article. Yeah. Uh, we went through, uh, Stanley cup picks and, and dark horses. Um, the biggest disappointment, obviously the house of negativity, the sad club is always interested in who people think will be the biggest disappointment in the NHL. And over at the athletic, they've surveyed all their writers and congratulations to the Florida Panthers who people think are going to be the biggest disappointment. Matthew Kachuk, even though he's making a lot of money and not paying many taxes, he'll be so disappointed to hear that. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers to me, they just lost a lot of, um, they lost some depth. You know, Mason Marchment, uh, Anthony Duclair, uh, who's going to be hurt for a few months, and we don't know if he's going to come back and score at the rate that he did last season. Mm. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, that's a big loss. Like, we know in Vancouver the value of a top-four defenseman because we've been looking for one, especially a right-shot guy, for a long time now. Well, the Panthers just lost one. The Flames gained one. Um, I... I can see them being the biggest disappointment. I could honestly even see them missing the playoffs. That would be a colossal fall from grace. Yes, because they were from one of the best salary cap teams in terms of points in the regular season. Obviously, not playoff performance, but they were, as the kids say, an absolute wagon 
last you. season. Look at you with the terms. I just feel like there was a lot of guys there that might have just overachieved. You know, Anthony Duclair, who, like, how many goals did he score last year? Was he like over 30 goals? But then sometimes he can't stay in the lineup. Is Sam Bennett going to be the same player he was last season? You know, all these guys, we just don't know how the, they're going to mesh. Don't you think a big part of the Panthers scoring so many goals was the fact that they had Jonathan Huberto and he is one of the best playmaking wingers, if not the, the best playmaking winger in the NHL? Uh, Duclair had 31 goals a year ago. Sam Reinhart right now is penciled in to be the first-line winger. Sam Bennett, the second-line center. Sam Bennett will be playing with Matthew Kachuk to open the season. I, I get what you're saying, that there's the potential there, but their collapse would have to be so monumental they were they were on a 120 point team. They were a 60 win team basically. They would have to lose a lot of games from last year. The one for me on that list that stands out above all the rest is Washington. I feel like Washington is so primed to have a fall from grace because no Nicholas Backstrom. They just announced today that Carl Hagelin's going to be out after arthroscopic hip, hip surgery. They've plug and played in net with Darcy Kemper, and I don't like the fit like mm-hmm. whatsoever. They're getting older, and I do wonder at what point guys like Ovi's in a different category, so I'm going to eliminate him from this. But running the band back together every single year, Kuznetsov, it's so funny, Carlson, it's I know. the same guys. We've been right? saying the same thing about Washington, Boston, and Pittsburgh for what three or four. years? To the point where when people vote for the Caps, for example, to be the biggest disappointment. And by the way, the four teams that got over 10% of the vote was Florida, Vegas, Toronto, and the Washington Capitals. For me, it's not that, I'm not going to say courageous. You know, it's, I, I just don't think it's a super hot take to be like, I don't know if the Washington Capitals are going are gonna to make the playoffs this year. Because people have been talking about this team falling off for a number of years now. It will happen eventually. Mm -hmm. It has to happen eventually. I just feel, well, because I've never called it like this before, because my my line of thinking on Washington was, so long as they're healthy, that group is going to get them into the postseason because they're just too good. They're just too well well schooled, well trained. The chemistry is there. They're like clockwork, right? They show up and they know exactly what's going on. You look at, and it's it's death by a thousand paper cuts sometimes, but you look at them going into this season, and you're, there's like, there's a hole there, there's a hole there, there's a hole there. Who's the 2C in Washington? Dylan Strom? Dylan Strom, mm, right? Because yeah. the, the one thing they always had going for them was it was Backstrom and Kuznetsov down the middle, and it was tried and true. You knew what you were getting. You knew that they were going to be a handful. You knew that offensive, offensively they were going to be prolific. I don't think you can understate how big that loss of Backstrom is going to be to that team. He is one of the most underrated players of our generation. Mm-hmm. He's just the the consummate table setter and you know quality two-way guy that shows up time after time after time. Yeah. He's been a really high-end 1C for the better part of a decade. You don't just lose those guys and not have and not suffer for it. Uh Vegas I think is no surprise in this list of disappointments. You know, they were disappointed last season. But they had really good excuses. They ran into injury trouble that was, I don't want to say it was unprecedented, but it was pretty close. It was crazy, all the injuries that they dealt with. Um, If they can stay healthy, these are two big ifs, massive ifs. Mm -hmm. If they can stay healthy, 
and Logan Thompson gives them league average goaltending, I kind of don't see how they miss the playoffs. They're deep. They're good. They're talented. Because Nick Haig signed yesterday, so I looked at their blue line. And even though it does include Ben Hutton, it's the, the top four is But Ben very, Hutton's a fine third pair. Yeah, like the top four is very good. Yeah. And that forward group is so dynamic and so good. And again, I like to talk about like what do guys bring to the table that other guys don't. Mark Stone is an incredibly unique player. There's not yeah. a lot of Mark Stones floating around, right? That's why they broke the bank and the budget to go out and get him. When you have him and have him in his prime, and again, you mentioned it, staying healthy, as long as he's not derailed from back injury, I'm kind of with you. It's hard to lose when you have a guy that's that good, that dynamic, that talented of a two-way player. And the Leafs are the other team that got quite a few votes for biggest disappointment, and that's perfectly understandable considering their goaltending situation. Can Matt Murray find something? And I think a lot of people in Toronto are also going like, you know, I was, I was just kind of hoping for some – some more change mm-hmm. kind of similar to Vancouver kind of similar to to Winnipeg if you look at th- that blue line again like you're not sitting there going that's a terrible blue line but I think some people were like I just wanted some change yeah and I understand why they've come back the way that they've come back is because this is a Dubas team and Dubas I don't think put it this way he'll be gone from the general manager's position before they blow it up. Like he won't be the one to blow it up, right? I mean, he's and because he, his entire reputation, his mentality, his mindset, his approach—it's all. This is the body of work, right? He made the signature moves to put this team on the ice. He's the one that has devised their salary cap and being pushed up against the limit. And the runoff was that you have to have a new goalie almost every year. Like these are. This is how yeah. he's orchestrated things. God, I want the Leafs to be a disappointment this season, and then way more questions about Austin Matthews' future in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the the best thing, the <laughs> best thing would be if they get they have a great regular season they get they lose in the first round of the playoffs again. And then you're like, Austin, do you want to sign up for more of this? Like, I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs so that they lose in the first round. If they don't make the playoffs, that's yeah. a disappointment for me. I don't want them to stink in the regular season. Their brand is stinking oh, in the first I kind of like to see them stink now, in the regular they, they season. They have to lose in the playoffs. Right. That's just symmetry. That's how mm. this works, right? And I want to see that play out in real time. I also think you want to talk about teams that I don't see how they can't make the playoffs. Even with league average goaltending or worse, I still think Toronto makes the playoffs. I think Toronto's making the playoffs, too. Okay, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 8 o'clock hour, final hour of the program. We have a lot to get to. The Drancer, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver, and the Canucks Hours, plural, here on Sportsnet 650. Everything that you need to know about the Canucks opening night roster and all the salary cap implications and machinations, we're going to talk about all that next. So don't go anywhere. Keep it on the dial. This is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.